You know, the game was so bad last night, the football game. I checked out the basketball team, and I'll say, like, you know, for a team that was losing to St. Ed's in the first half, I was pretty impressed. They've got a lot of dudes. Yeah, they do have a lot of dudes. And Coach Terry, they're playing a fun brand of basketball. They're running, and they're allowing guys to just hoop out there. It's pretty freeing, you know. That's what a lot of guys, that's the style they want to play. That's what you see in the NBA. And it's definitely different than what you saw with Chris Beard and his motion-based offense. So, yeah, let's see if they can keep it up. Kanan Shedrick, that's a big-time addition. They're going to need him. but. Yeah, he is solid. Well, we're just not going to He actually know ran the floor better than I thought, Zay. I thought he was going to be kind of a stiff, but he ran the floor, cut a couple times where they hit him. They had their head up, and they were finding guys for not playing together for too long. I mean, D'Souza's out right now, but um, but yeah. Yeah, Tony Bennett didn't let him do that. He got me one game in. Trey's laughing right now. Yeah, Tony Bennett didn't let him do that at Virginia. That's why he wanted to go play with – you know, RT. So hopefully they can start getting more big men like that. that can run the floor and use their athleticism. I've been yeah, saying and- this about Rodney Terry going back to last year. I really like him as an X's and O's coach. And, and part, one of the reasons why I like him is because he sees the pieces in front of him and calls the offense accordingly. And after yeah. last night's game, he's like, look, we've got a team that can get up and down the court. Here's what I told them is you guys get your first seven seconds after you get that defensive rebound to try and push it up and make something good slash easy happen. We get past that seven seconds, though, we're going to work for a good shot, though. I'm I'm strangely excited to get into this Texas basketball team, even though I'm going to have to relearn, what, three-fourths of the roster because, well, it is college basketball in 2023. <laughs> um, I, I think that uh, there are some good things on the horizon for this program. Unfortunately, we won't really know until – Texas gets to conference play because the non-con schedule is very meh other than a couple of games at Madison Square Garden and then you play LSU at the Toyota Center. It really is uh, a bunch of scrubs and a few perennially decent uh, mid-level teams thrown in too. Oh, Oh, they got Marquette? Marquette, yeah, they play Marquette at Marquette, so that game's in Milwaukee. It'll be uh, interesting to see what uh, Shaka Smart's rolling out there this year, too. Uh, you're right about that. That is another decent game on the schedule. Yeah, yeah, but home games, you're right about that. And, Trey, they've got this guy who's 6'8", looks like he's 240 in the middle, and probably more six seven and a half. Would have been like an undersized power forward back in the day in college basketball, but is a guy that Baylor, Houston, all of them have it. He looks 25 and is just yoked. What is that, Zarek uh, Onyema? Yeah. yeah, man. Like, he was, especially in games like that, man. You know what I'm talking about, Zay? Like, Houston yeah. and Baylor always have a cat like that with dreads, and it's like, dude, he is our rim protector in 2021, <laughs> whatever it is, you know? Yeah, he kind of has a little James Thomas in him, man. I don't yeah. think he's that ferocious. But he's actually beefier. Yeah, yeah. He's not as long. Right, right. But, yeah, he's got a tough blue-collar guy. And, yeah, we'll see what happens, but – Appreciate you, fellas. I'll take it off. Y'all have a good rest of the show. Take care. Thank you, Zay. Balloon. No, I should get balloons for my computer. Got it. We're yeah, going to have to like, well, get the I'd new one of these every two years. Transfer my laser beams to you, I would, but I don't. So whenever I hit that, yeah. it only does it on my screen. That's great. How are you? I'm doing all right today. Got to play some volleyball this morning and uh, did the show with BK a little bit earlier and have uh, just been taking care of non-TSU stuff in the two hours in between. And now you and I get to chat for a couple hours. 
Yes, we do, man. A lot to get to as well. Um, kind of a busy time, but a lot of college football, some pro football. Uh, I thought it was a great weekend for just watching football. Now, Texas ended up winning, so that helps out. But even the Cowboys game, I mean, like throughout the Saturday and Sunday, I, it was probably my most enjoyable weekend. Exciting games involving ranked teams in a lot of instances. Like yep. Texas, Kansas State, as much as that sucked to watch Texas almost blow it, they did still win, and it was exciting at the end. Oklahoma, Oklahoma State was a lot of fun to watch. And while maybe deep down all of us were hoping it would be Texas OU for that final Big 12 championship because that felt like it would be poetic because of how much hate each school is receiving and also some uh, some very shady things happening with the way of, of calls. I'm also okay watching Oklahoma lose their very last rivalry game too. Yeah. And uh, Washington USC was an interesting game. Obviously Washington pulls away in the end and then to watch Alabama and LSU play a tight one for a little bit. And then Alabama really blow the doors off of them. I know Jaden Daniels goes down with the injury in that game. The college side was awesome. And the NFL held suit too. I mean, it started early with Casey Miami in Germany and yep. I'm never up for those games. Even if I'm up, there's other stuff that I'm doing. I'm sorry, NFL. I know you want us to commit the entire day to watching football games, and that was a good matchup. You screwed up, though, by putting that good of a matchup in Germany uh, in week whatever of the NFL season. But the rest of the day was – I'm usually uh, up for it but or part of it, but I totally forget about it. It's just not my Sunday morning routine. Even if I remember it. I, I've got shit that I've got to do before the NFL action starts at noon. Like, I've got – a checklist that I need to get through so that I can waste the rest of the day watching football. Yeah, pretty much. Um, so yeah, in terms of the Saturday stuff, boy, uh, Dallas Turner seems to injure a lot of quarterbacks. I like Dallas, but I mean, it, you know, that, that's pretty high. I know LSU's going to send that in. He's the one who yeah. took out Quinn. Um, you know, I mean, they're, they're definitely, they're still playing some football. At Alabama, they look good though. Milrose continued to impress. Yeah, I mean, Jaden Daniels would have been one of my top five Heisman guys. I don't know where he stands right now, especially when it was what twenty eight all or around there, and then just went the other way. So, but I would have probably him and neighbors up there. I would did have a different think he, Heisman. Did you think he had this in him at the start of the season? Because I did not think he was this good as a passer, Jaden Daniels. <laughs> No, I didn't. Not this good. I knew he had more in him than I thought at Arizona State. But even at Arizona State, he had some pretty big throws and pretty big games where I thought this guy's, you know, pretty legitimate. Um, but he was erratic. But he's gotten he's gotten much better. That their offense is great. It's just very un LSU. I don't remember an LSU defense that was this bad. And they've had some moments lately, but throughout the whole year, they've not been good. Hmm. As far as Texas and Kansas State are concerned, you and I did not do pre uh, post game this week and haven't really talked about the game itself. Um, let's start with Malik Murphy. What are your thoughts on Malik and just what he needs to do differently going forward? Because you can only get this level of quarterback play for so long before you end up getting tripped up, even in a game that you are heavily favored to win. Yeah, he could have ended up having three or four picks. So let's start with the good very early on. He throws a really good deep ball. You could say maybe even a better deep ball than Quinn. 
Yeah. Right. He was, and there have been some issues there, but he throws a pretty good deep ball. You can tell he's already getting better at that compared to the one that he threw the week before, which a lot of safeties are going to bat that down. Um, th- made some good throws. Like there's a lot of talent in there without it, without a doubt. Um, but as you look at the last two starts right now, he's not ready. She's not. I mean, it, it, there are too many moments that are too big. And he's had a couple panic throws in both games that have resulted in picks that will, you know, usually a team, a team like Kansas State or in a game that maybe in the Big 12 championship, certainly the playoffs, if they get there or a bowl game, that's going to wreck you. And it's a free seven points and you can't recover. So they've been able to, but yeah, I mean, apparently, I don't know. I heard some good news about Quinn. Maybe Quinn will play. Malik has a lot of talent, but it, it two starts and there's some good, some bad, and but I would say he's not ready yet. That's fair, is it not? It, it is fair, and it's also concerning right now that he seems pretty raw just with reading the defense. I know everybody will talk about the plays where he's legitimately just throwing the ball in the air, like throwing it up to what looks like it could be just – Greenfield with the receiver nearby and it's going right into the arms of a BYU player two weeks ago and a Kansas state player this last weekend. But there are other throws where he is tossing it beyond the line of scrimmage where there's two to three defenders around that receiver to your point on some of those other balls that could have been picked off too. And so you feel comfortable with Steve Sarkeesian scripting his first five to 10 throws for that opening uh, opening couple of series where he knows where the ball is going to go to and Sark is scheming those guys open. But once the defense adjusts, that becomes very problematic. So I hope Quinn is able to play this weekend. I feel like we will go one more week before we see him come back for the Iowa State game. Also possible he doesn't come back until Texas Tech. Uh, but if that does happen, then... I believe you see this uh, this Texas offense try and run it a whole lot more in the second half because this is going to be Malik Murphy's first road game coming up this weekend in Fort Worth. And even though TCU is down this year, weird things tend to happen to this Texas program at TCU. Yeah. Um, I mean, hopefully Quinn can't come back. But, yeah, you'd probably gamble on that. I don't know if they throw Arch in there. I don't know where Sark is with the decision-making and the – outside of the last drive. So there, once again, there are some good things mixed in, but he's so young right now. Um, I mean, there are some things, this team's so weird because it's such an odd year and such a wide open year, not only in the conference where it's our last year and it's the worst year since it started. Um, The country has not been, the playoff has not been this wide open in a long time, maybe ever. And so you're balancing that with what our eyeballs have seen with this up and down within games team that does not look like a college football playoff team and doesn't really look like a conference champion, but they can do both this year and it's in front of them. And you've got this quarterback thing to go with it. So it's a weird balancing act, but I will say this, one thing we have learned, man, they've done a, I mean, the, the best thing this team does, we talked about it last week, the week before the grades show it, our eyes show it, tell us that, that, their defensive line against the run primarily inside is just, you know, which is why I'd rather take on Oklahoma state. Ollie Gordon's probably the best running back in the country. I don't trust him. They're going to run their RPO. We know they're running outside gunners or goes pretty much. And they're running with him. 
I, I will take this defensive line the way they're playing because they they won the game again on Saturday. You know, Alan Bowman has proven himself to be capable once they tinkered with some things on offense and gave him some shorter throws because Oklahoma State does have a decent crop of receivers once again. Presley will get a lot of uh, the coverage, and and he should. He is the latest in a long line of good Oklahoma State wide receivers, but they have several dudes that they can throw the football to. But you're exactly right. That offense runs through Ollie Gordon the third. He will present a, a unique challenge to this Texas defense, but you can't run it on this front uh, when they're blitzing linebackers. Obviously, both linebackers are, are really good against the run. And uh, Jade Barron, Ryan Watts, guys like that, while we've seen some inconsistencies in coverage, not with Barron, of course, but with some of those other guys, these defensive backs will all come up and hit and yeah. provide excellent support with the run too. So a team that beats this Texas defense is going to have to do so through the air. Kansas State, thankfully, uh, didn't figure it out until, well, it may not have even been too late, but thanks to some special teams miscues with their field goal unit, it gave the Longhorns the opportunity to uh, to get the game back to tied going into overtime and then to kick a field goal in overtime and have their defense come up big on that fourth down, which was a bizarre call, in my opinion, for Chris Kleiman. I, look, I, I'm not these, – these decisions are not black and white. You have to understand what is happening in a game, have a pulse on your team, have a pulse on the other team. For Chris Kleiman to try and go for it on a fourth and goal from the six, with as good as the Texas defense had been throughout the course of the afternoon, versus rolling the dice by kicking that field goal – and believing that the Texas offense would be more prone to a mistake in that situation than your offense would, I I do not understand. I don't either. He said after I watched his post game, and he said that you know it was in the mid seventies, and our guys were a little worn down. I'm like mid seventies, what? Yeah. Um, I mean, so my my biggest thing would be on the road, underdog. Bigger program, big stadium into the game, usually go for that. Or I see going for it. They had all the momentum, man. Yeah. They'd had all the momentum. And not only momentum in regulation as as the fourth quarter, but in overtime, where Texans got lucky. We felt good to hit a 40-something yard field goal. Yeah. The offense went nowhere. And the way Malik had played, you have that last drive, but really the whole way through, man. I am. I'm playing another one of these. Maybe we get to one here in two or three where, fuck it, we're going for it. But which they would have to after two now. But I, I mean, you had all the momentum. And so if your guys were that worn down because it was 75 outside, then get out of here. He's a he's a damn good coach though, and. Um, you and I both, I, mean, I, think, I think everyone thought it'd be a tight game. You know, Kansas State somehow ends up covering that. But it's another frustrating game because Texas had a chance. And Sarkis talked about that killer instinct where you're going in on the interception and also the ball that um, that Jonte, you could say, maybe got dragged down on. But we're not getting any of those calls. We know that. No. The uh oh. Texas, I mean, you 24 nothing. 
well, you are, you're about to do this, and Kansas State's out of the offense to come back from 27 nothing. Now, they did 27-7 what, four plays. Texas, and you just try and rely on the run game, and they went to the red package, and that didn't work. They're just, they're, they're just struggling, man. Yeah, they are. And those problems are only getting Hello? worse when you have this much inconsistency, inconsistency at quarterback. And to watch Jonathan Brooks fumble like he did was a bit of a letdown. And I know he was banged up in that game. I don't know if it was a shoulder or elbow, what the issue was. But uh, he kept asking to come out of the game, including in crucial situations. Now, fortunately, uh, C.J. Baxter has proven himself as very capable, too. He had the big touchdown run. And even minus that touchdown run, he was averaging somewhere in the neighborhood of five yards per play. And I've been impressed with uh, what I've seen out of Jaden Blue these last couple of weeks as well. I know he had that late game touchdown against BYU that padded the point total and the yardage total as well. But I think he is uh, an admirable backup at that position. And then Keelan Robinson also. It does feel like sometimes that uh, the Texas coaches – are not doing a good enough job of creating opportunities for Keelan Robinson, who obviously has game-breaking abilities, but he is somebody else that you throw in there when you're talking about the running backs and them showing their capabilities and them, uh, them making the best of it when given those chances. As BK is having, or excuse me, KD is having some technical issues right now. We are discussing the Texas Longhorns and Kansas State Wildcats. Big victory for Texas in overtime this last weekend. Uh, also, looking back on the rest of the college football weekend, what happened in the NFL as well. The Dallas Cowboys came very close to beating a Philadelphia Eagles team that leads the NFL right now record-wise, but looked vulnerable in Philly on Sunday afternoon. And Dak Prescott played an exceptional game on Sunday even if there were some very tiny things that weren't there at moments Dak has been he has not been the problem over the last month or so quite the opposite even without that bona fide number two wide receiver it does look like he's getting comfortable throwing to the tight end once again which is obviously a good thing and for the Cowboys offense right now they're feeding CD Lamb more and they're getting those results as his nearly 200 yard effort showed against the Eagles, but there's a lot to be desired at the running back position right now. Tony Paul, did you give him credit for coming back from a serious injury and surgery in the Cowboys final game last year? And while he's been out there for, I believe every game so far this year, he just, he doesn't have that burst about him right now that made him so special. You also wonder if the change of pace that he was providing for Ezekiel Elliott at times, even though he did have games where he was the guy and he performed admirably in those circumstances. Some combination of him not quite being all the way back just yet and the dynamic having shifted in terms of who's the number one guy at running back and uh, the backup coming in with uh, with some other opportunities as well. Uh, if we see Tony Pollard lose a little bit of his workload in the coming weeks. Dallas Cowboys defense... Um, you know, you're going to give up points to Philadelphia. They are a uh, really good passing attack and a decent enough running the football. I think that is improved with DeAndre Swift back there to go with Gainwell as well. But Dallas had a chance at the end. Uh, they get the ball down the field thanks to Philadelphia 
with some uh, self-inflicted penalties, a pass interference. Get if the other one was a personal foul, but it was another 10 to 15 yard penalty as well. And the Dallas Cowboys found themselves really close to the Eagles end zone with a, a decent amount of time left on the clock. But a, unfortunately, a couple of procedural penalties and then uh, Dak uh, nearly taking a sack or actually he did take a sack on that play that set up a, a really tough final play of the game for Dallas and Philadelphia prevails. They do feel like the cream of the crop in the NFL, but the NFL is very similar to college right now, where it doesn't seem like you have that one truly dominant team this year and that things are fairly open, especially on the NFC side side of things like Philly is the number one. I think that's a very sturdy limb that I'm going out on right now, but even Let's say San Francisco or Detroit or the Dallas Cowboys. They seem like flawed teams right now. Perhaps San Francisco's flaws are the fact that they are relying on guys who have a hard time staying healthy, but there is a history of that at this point. And so you, uh, you, you have to pay attention to that. The Lions, they have beaten some bad competition, but some of the better teams on their schedule, with exception of that first game of the year at Kansas City, uh, they haven't exactly shown up, so we'll see if the bye week, how much that's helped them out. It looks like David Montgomery is going to be back for them this week. They had a couple of other guys who were dinged up as well, so they should be full strength. Jameer Gibbs, a silver lining over these last few weeks. He's been awesome and is proving why the Lions were not necessarily stupid to take him in the first round of last year's NFL draft. He's still going to get a heavy workload too. expect them to throw the football to him a little bit more, but the lions uh, need to prove it against some of the better competition left on their schedule. If there is an AFC team right now, it's got to be the Baltimore Ravens, right? Speaking of those lions, they had a big game against the Ravens a few weeks ago and got absolutely clobbered. Baltimore is looking great right now, led by Lamar Jackson, who may be the front runner for MVP. I have not looked at the Vegas odds for Lamar Jackson. What is MVP odds right now? Obviously, Mahomes is going to be up there most years. He's got to be ahead of Josh Allen at this point, doesn't he? Ahead of Tua also, I'm guessing. And this, you know, MVP tends to be a quarterback award, much like the Heisman Trophy. Is there anybody else that we're missing here? Justin Jefferson's obviously been hurt. Tyreek Hill, he was on track for 2,000 yards. I'm not sure where he is after a pretty pedantic effort by him against Kansas City and Germany this last weekend. But uh, Lamar Jackson has seemingly has taken some more steps forward as a thrower to go along with being an electric, uh, electric runner. And that Baltimore defense is really, really good right now. So uh, it seems like the cream of the crop in each league is Philadelphia in the NFC, Baltimore in the AFC, with uh, a bunch of teams bringing it up the rear. But look, we can't sleep on Kansas City. I realize things have been weird for them this year. They are talking about a really good defensive team in Kansas City right now, which eases some of the pressure on Pat Mahomes as he continues to try and establish a rapport with a uh, pretty average-looking group of wide receivers right now. There's no easy way to put it. Travis Kelsey is still very productive, but he's he has looked a little bit slower over the last few weeks. I don't know if that's a matter of him tweaking or aggravating something, or maybe it's just the Taylor Swift effect, right? But uh, this Kansas City offense has left a lot to be desired so far this year, but they've been picked up by uh, a pretty raucous bunch on defense. And so 
when it comes to playoff time, there's nobody that you trust more at quarterback than Pat Mahomes. And so you just uh, always need to keep that in the back of your mind, even if it seems like this is a year where they are struggling. And thinking back on the uh, the college side of things on Saturday as uh, Kevin joins me once again in the living room now versus his office. <clears throat> uh, Kevin, the, uh, the Washington Huskies yeah. uh, put it into the Alex Grinch era at USC. It's an era that probably should have come to an end after last season, but game after game, USC was just getting into shootouts. Now, Washington, it's a little bit more understandable with how good their offense has been throughout the course of the year, even if they had been a bit off in the two previous weeks. But USC was making average to bad offenses look like some of the best in the country. And so inevitably, with uh, with no real playoff hopes on the line and uh, Pac-12 title game appearance seemingly out of the question at this point, Lincoln Riley went ahead and cut ties with Alex Grinch. Yeah, can you hear me straight? Because you were kind of breaking up there for me. I don't know what problems I'm having here. I tried to go out here because I have more watts out here. I was saying that when I plugged it in. So can you hear me? I can hear you now. Can you hear me? Hello? <laughs> hmm. Not sure what to do right now. I can hear you. Can you hear me? All right, Katie has dropped once again, so sorry, folks. You get me talking to myself for a little while. Let's take a look at the YouTube comments line. Seeing the typical cast of characters on the YouTube comments line. Appreciate everybody for chiming in. CB, Jason, Big Craig, DJ. <laughs> yeah, that's right, Big Craig. Spectrum strikes again. No love lost between KD and Spectrum. I I just had to upgrade. We go through Spectrum too. Oh boy, I've got to be careful here. Spectrum listens like like our future robot overlords do. They're always paying attention. You can't say something negative, otherwise your internet access will get uh, pretty limited as well. But I was having issues with the plan that we had, so I had to upgrade to the new highest level internet speed. And I've had less issues since then, thank goodness. But it's just a shame that we're having to pay an extra 40 bucks a month to do so because we previously had the top speed for home internet service. But they just keep moving the goalpost on you, don't they, throughout this process. I don't mean anything by it, Spectrum. Please don't hurt my internet. Uh, DJ agrees. Lamar is killing it as a passer and a runner. Craig evicted Spectrum from his house last weekend. What'd you go, Google Fiber, Craig? Because we checked in on that here in Cedar Park, but they don't offer Google Fiber out here. So we're at the behest of Spectrum or AT&T. I think Verizon maybe offers something, but we chose Spectrum. Like it's the best option for someone like me who has to have fast internet for live streaming purposes because I'm doing anywhere from one to three hours a day here on Texas Sports Unfiltered, as well as recording for some other things as well. Frontier is where it's at, huh? I'm going to have to check on that. <laughs> uh, Jason said something about Disco Tray. Oh, that was with the, uh, the laser lights, wasn't it, Jason? Yes, I, uh, I have access to uh, some backup graphics now, or background graphics, thanks to FaceTime. 
need to see about downloading some others as well. I think we are going to take a, uh, a small break here to see what's going on. Stay tuned. If nothing else in the next couple of minutes, I will be back to let you know what's going on, but I am, uh, I'm sorry. I'm not going to be able to talk for the next hour and 20 minutes straight. That's not a good idea. And so we're, uh, we're going to hit pause here for uh, one second here on Texas sports unfiltered. Stay tuned though. We'll be back in just a sec. Hello everyone. Sorry for some technical difficulties going on with the Longhorn misfits program. Appreciate y'all sticking around. Uh, I guess we have lost Kevin Dunn due to some internet issues. Trey is here. Just got off with uh, just got off the phone with Kevin Dunn. Um, I did not just put a, a tattoo of Kevin on my forehead for what it's worth. But uh, Kevin is trying to change uh, a few settings on his computer and reset the computer. Uh, technical issues, uh, plague the man, unfortunately at times. So he's, he's trying to get it right though. So he's either going to pop on here in a few minutes, or he's going to text me to let me know that, uh, this, that his internet is not working well today. Is it the internet? Is it the computer? Is it both? It is. That's a great question. It seems like the internet is always at least part of the problem. Okay. I also haven't looked at his internet. If he hasn't, or if uh, his computer, rather, if he has a computer that's 15 years old, then that's going to be an issue too. But I think he has a newer computer though. He's got a computer that's only a couple of years old, but it looks like it's about 30 years old. So like, I, I literally think he bought the worst possible computer he could have bought, but like a 2021 model. Okay. Like, so it's, it's, uh, it's, it's like, it's like buying a brick phone in, in 2023. Like it, it looks like that equivalent aesthetically, but I guess it's kind of new. So it, it, it should be working better than it does. The earliest laptop computers, BK were before your time. I'm sure you've seen these relic pictures of the first laptop computers where they're like small briefcases. Or the like briefcase size where it's like you're literally carrying a briefcase with you and then you open it up and that's where the computer is. Computer technology huh. has gotten so sleek, obviously. Yeah, a little bit different nowadays. Now you got those damn tablets, right? Like you've got phones that are computers that are these size. Yeah. You've got tablets that are in between this and an actual computer. And then you've got actual computers themselves and laptops and desktops. It's it, What will they think of next? Well, in less than a hundred years, this has more processing power than the first computers that took up entire walls, right? Yeah. Mm. Technology talk. That's what we've resorted to here. What were you and Kevin talking about before he uh, his internet gave out on him? Uh, we were talking about Texas football and just uh, what we liked and didn't like from Kansas State because he and I did not do post game this last weekend while also getting into some of the other college games, um, Alabama looking like a team to be reckoned with. The like, conversation becomes a little bit different if Quinn Ewers is in there at quarterback for Texas, but as a Longhorns fan, I wouldn't want to play, uh, face Alabama right now. Uh, I would have no problem facing Alabama right now. No. Uh, I would love a rematch because that means we're in the playoff, so That's sign fair. me up for a part two. Um, yeah, no, I, the chances I give Texas to win the game, though. Yeah, I mean, look, I'd, I'd, I'd be a little nervous. Uh, I was nervous the first time we played them and and we took care of them. Um, 
uh, you know, Texas is so good on the defensive line that, okay, what has Alabama done really well? Like, what do they do so well against LSU? Well, they ran it incredibly well. Uh, no one's been able to really run it that well against Texas. So uh, I don't know if it'd be a double-digit win for Texas where we're leaving the game saying, oh, my God, if Xavier Worthy didn't drop that touchdown, we would have won by 17. And, oh, my God, if we didn't do this or this, we would have won by 21 or more. Like, I don't know if it would be like that if there was a rematch, but uh, I, I I wouldn't be that terrified of of playing against them again if Quinn Ewers was 100%. If it's Malik Murphy against Alabama, yeah, sorry. Uh, you know, that's that's a wave the white flag, and uh, it ain't happening. But uh, Quinn Ewers, 100% healthy against Alabama, then, yeah, I mean, I'd, I would uh, I would like Texas's chances to, to go do that. But, you know, I, I get pissed off when this happens every year, Trey, mm-hmm. because it feels like it, it happens every year whenever Alabama loses one time. The, the narrative becomes they're done. Nick Saban's lost his fastball. Everyone else has caught up to him. NIL? He can't handle NIL. The transfer portal? No way. He doesn't know what he's doing. It's like every time Alabama loses a game, the dynasty is over. And oh my God, it was even Texas fans doing this too. And then, of course, the South Florida game happened the week later where Alabama played like shit because, you know, they were playing backup quarterbacks. Uh, and, and even Texas fans were like, oh my God, this is 2016 Notre Dame and we suck and they suck and we're, we're horrible. What's Alabama done since then? They're undefeated in the best conference in the sport. They just beat a very good LSU team by two touchdowns. They're mowing over teams, dude. They're really good. So this one, as MJ in the last dance said, I took that personal. Because it affected Texas this year, all of the Alabama's done conversation, I took that personal. And I'm so mad at just how many, even Texas fans, like Texas fans were like trying to bash their own team by saying mm. Alabama sucks. It's like, dude, this is maybe our biggest win in regular season history outside of the shoe in 05. And you're trying to diminish our own win? Like, sh- shut up. What are you doing? And now it's like, yeah, no, Alabama is, and I kind of had a hunch that this would happen too, where Alabama was going to play really well this year. And people were like, oh, if Texas and Bama played again, like Alabama's gotten so much better and Texas just got them at the right time. And I, I don't even buy that either. So I don't know, man. I'm, uh, it was such a good win for Texas. And I'm just, I'm annoyed by how many people since that game happened, even Texas fans who have just been trying to downplay like how impressive of a showing that that was, I mean, for Texas to do something that hadn't been done to any Alabama team. And this is clearly not the worst Alabama team Nick Saban's ever had. I remember that being a huge focal point. It ain't the best. It ain't the best. Of course not. But this ain't the worst. Texas did something that hadn't been done to Alabama or to Nick Saban in 20 plus years. That shit was impressive. So, uh, yeah, has Texas played that consistently good every week since then? No, of course not. If they had, they'd be like the number one team in the country right now but i just uh i don't know man i i think texas is still really good i think alabama's really good but i don't think the gap between those two teams right now is is as big as some people seem to think what's up kd you yo caught, i think caught, we got i think we got to figure it out boys there we go you caught post uh post rant bk sorry you had to be no i know give me i loved it i was about to uh freeze it on my own this time uh but <laughs> No, that's good stuff. I agree with you. I mean, it's not, first off, nothing will ever be as people forget Nick Saban's first year. They went seven and six yeah. and lost to who was it? Louisiana Monroe at home. 
Mm -hmm. Like nothing will ever be that. Yeah. Is it one of their all time great teams? Probably not, but they've also like, no, that's don't buy that stuff. BK. Yeah. I'm just like, look, I, I expected AM and OU fans to do it, but like just seeing seeing Texas fans do it, and it hasn't really happened since then. Right now that Alabama's put together a lot of wins, uh, Texas fans aren't doing this anymore. But shoot, I had a few buddies. Like after that Bama South Florida game, it's like, oh, cool. We beat we beat a, an eight win Alabama team. We beat a seven win. This is 2016 Notre Dame. They might go five and it's like, what are you what are you talking about here, guys? Yeah, like, and, so and we're not trying to say this is a perfect team or anywhere near that. Like, we, we no. see the flaws. We all get it, but take it for what it is. I will say this, though. Milrow and Bama, they, they've kind of, with Tommy Reese, they've found their their niche. They would not be fun for anyone to play right now. No, but I like, uh, and this is the question Trey asked, and I didn't, I was on the phone with your girl, Anna, over at Dr. Eckert's office. Anna! Hey, so I didn't I, I didn't hear exactly what you are talking about, but Trey Trey brought up and and look I I think there are some Texas fans and some college football fans that think like if these two teams played again Alabama would win and sure they could they could win yeah like I I think these teams are pretty close though is my point like I don't think it's like uh, oh it'd be a given that if these two teams played at a neutral field that uh, Alabama would for sure win like if yeah. if Malik Murphy was the quarterback yes Alabama would for sure win. But if Quinn Ewers was like 100% healthy uh, and these two teams played, like Texas would very much have a chance like they did in September, I think. Trey, who would you take tomorrow? Between Alabama and Texas? Yeah. With Malik Murphy as the quarterback, Alabama in a blowout. What about with a healthy Quinn Ewers? I mean, Quinn Quinn Ewers from what, what he looks like, just before the injury or Quinn Ewers working his way back, you know, his first game back against TCU or Iowa state, or, you know, I think if Quinn Ewers has a couple weeks under his belt and I'll feel good about that, but I think he's going to have a little bit of rust to knock off. And there's always a, a level of fear that you have to break through too, when you're coming back from an injury like this, especially one where you know that there is a, uh, a good chance of reaggravation if you haven't let it heal properly. Yep. What about, what about the Quinn in the five quarters he's played against Alabama? Because I'm I'm going with that version. Yeah, yeah I think that's a great point. Yeah, that that Quinn, sign me up. I, yeah. I'll uh, I'll look forward to to seeing what Texas can do in that game. So, what do y'all think? Because Trey, I think the when it when it throws on me in there, I think we were talking about um, Malik and just the game and everything. I'm curious to get both your thoughts. When if you're a star, can you go through game film? The kid obviously has a lot of talent, and there's stuff there. He's probably not ready yet, as we talked about. If you don't have Quinn this week, do you throw Arch in there at some point and give him a shot? I mean, I know that all depends on how comfortable he is in practice, and only they would know that. But, I mean, I would think that 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 may be something he's thinking about, right? Considering that there have been reports that Malik has dealt with a back issue for much of the year that is – completely knocked him out of practice at times to where he's not even out there practicing with his teammates. I don't think it's a bad idea, but BK had to talk sense into me a couple of weeks ago before the BYU game where I was suggesting Arch Manning could get some time. And he's like, Steve Sarkeesian's track record is just having a limitless leash for yeah. the guy who is looked at as his starter right now. He's right about so that. He is very sensitive 
to uh, shattering egos or a, a fragile ego or a guy getting too down on himself that looks like he's being benched. If that guy is the quarterback, which probably speaks to his experience at a quarterback too. So do I think Arch Manning uh, in the right situation should get a little bit of time? Absolutely. I just don't think Steve Sarkeesian is going to do it at this point. Hmm. DK? Yeah, KD. Trey and I talked about this earlier. Like, Maybe there's a scenario this week where Quinn Ewers dresses and is like the in case of emergency guy. Like Malik Murphy starts the game and the hope is Quinn gets another week of rest, but he's in uniform. And if Texas is down by 10 at halftime, then it's, Hey, right. we don't have the whole playbook with Quinn, uh, with Quinn, but uh, you know, Malik's got three turnovers and he keeps not throwing the ball away uh, and short arming dudes or throwing behind dudes. We've got to try something else. Like maybe, maybe that's what it is. So, you know, for me, like if I'm the coach, I, I'm doing whatever I need to do to win. Like this, when's the next time Texas is going to have this golden of an opportunity to win a conference championship? You know, yeah, right. like but, with the, with this but team, but also this keep his red shirt because I, I think he wants to keep his red shirt, and you can yeah. do that now. Yeah. And by the way, if you break that red shirt because it's the fifth game in the national championship. It's who's, worth who, who's complaining? I mean, no if, one's complaining, if Arch Manning is the guy and he gets to yeah. play and he's that good and he's leading Texas to the right. CFP and then a, a national title, then yeah. And he's not the red four shirt. years anyway, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, uh, yeah, man, like you, you, you got to win. You got to do what it takes to win. Now it's like, I, I wonder, Trey, like if Texas was down, they, they never trailed against K-State for as like much of a collapse yeah. as they had. Like, Crazy. like of course, like Gus Johnson on TV was like, maybe Arch is about to come in. But like Sark, because of that long leash that you brought up, Trey, is like, ah, the team's winning. He's not going to make a move right now. Like if, if the team is trailing this week, that that's where Sark, if Quinn Ewers can't go, I would absolutely make the move. But he sees Arch in practice. Like, I, I guess there's a chance Arch is that bad. But even me will be thinking, well, he might suck in practice, but can he at least do better in the game than what Malik Murphy is doing? So Sark's got to do whatever it takes to win because th th this team needs to get to Arlington. That's not uh, the goal with three weeks left in the season because the Big 12 is sh shaked out the way that it has. That was the goal for everybody going into the year. You've got to do whatever you need to do to to make sure you achieve that goal. And it's I'd, like to think that he, I'd like to think that yeah. even if Quinn Ewers wasn't in a – break class uh, break glass in case of emergency scenario that if we see second half or last three quarters Malik in the first half against TCU on Saturday and there's a couple of really ugly turnovers that gives either a defensive touchdown or short fields that TCU capitalizes on and they're up by I don't know a couple of touchdowns going into halftime that he would have the guts to put Arch Manning in to try something different because I worry with Steve Sarkeesian that he gets too big picture at times and isn't focused enough on the moment. Like you obviously saw that with Quinn Ewers last year. There were games where Texas clearly had a better chance to win the game if they got even adequate quarterback play, which Hudson Card has shown the ability to do earlier in the season when Quinn Ewers was hurt and Quinn was struggling. Whether you used your eyeballs or looked at basic statistics, he was one of the worst quarterbacks in the Big 12 and Texas lost at least a game or two that they could have won with slightly better quarterback play. But Steve Sarkeesian was focused on Quinn Ewers' long-term development, neglecting the possibility of an extra win or two in the moment. Yeah, well, you got three games left, and you need to do this. I mean, I, I say it's in front of you. It's obviously in front of you, but it's really in front of you. You can have it in front of you and have 
98 Kansas State, 97 Nebraska, and 2000 Oklahoma left on the schedule. And it ain't in front of you. It ain't happening. Like, they, they should get this done. And this is where the coaching staff has to make sure they get it done. They have enough talent. They're healthy enough now, which is so big for this team. It's not a one through 44 program yet. It may be down the road where you look back and if you have it on the NCAA, you're like, dude, we had Derek Williams and Malik Muhammad. You're like, yeah, they weren't the guys they were their junior year, you know? So Derek right Williams now, is the best safety on the team. What's up? I said, Derek Williams is the best safety on the team right now. He is. I mean, if you look at the metrics, you know, he's right up there. I mean, it depends on what you want to count Jade Barron because they count him as a safety on PFF. I mean, I think he's kind of a rover, and they put him at cornerback for the last two plays. He's by far the best defensive back, but Derek Williams has been good. But the depth isn't there. They're healthy right now. They should they should go, you know, I want to see that kind of killer mentality because they have not – they've shown it once, and it was in Tuscaloosa of all places with nine minutes ago and said, F y'all. Yeah. We're, we're running this thing out on the ground. What, nine straight runs against that defensive line? Yeah, killed the last seven minutes and 14 seconds off the clock. Like, that's – Yeah. It'd be nice to see something like that again. Yeah, killer mentality. Going to need it. All right, EK, it seems like uh, Kevin's computer is good to go. Yeah, no, I'm good to go. I I had to hit the diagnostics in the – what was that, Trey? Bifo or Difo or what did I click on? Uh, yeah, that your, your computer's bisexual setting, you reset that. And so now it's, uh, now it's monogamous again. Yeah. He was acting like a dude too much. We've got froze up. No, I think we're good to go. BK. Appreciate you, man. Bucky who's trans and KD who's bi now. I don't know what's, what's, what's well, I'm not buying my computer spy. So please, please respect it. (laughs) The, they, them. Sorry about that. They, them. All right. Yeah, I'll be by on the, the way, you put your pronouns up yet? Why don't we have pronouns next to our thing here? You get to type in whatever you want as your name. You could put KD parentheses he, him, or she, her, or <laughs> they, them, or it. I don't even know what that is. Can I type it in? Is. Can I type it in for Trey? She, her. <laughs> yeah. Flash bitch. Know. I don't know if you can. I don't know if you can do other people's, but all right. I'll be, I'll be on call. I'll be around if, uh, if right, something goes yes. on. Later, brother. There was a uh, a show that Justine and I were watching recently, very recently. We just watched, I guess, the finale of the show a couple of days ago. But there was a character in this show that I guess earlier in the season had established that they wanted to be referred to as a they-them. And it was really confusing near the end of the season because this person went missing and they're like, where did they go? We can't, we can't find them. I'm like, who the hell else are you talking about here? And Justine is like, no, that's what so-and-so wanted to be called they, them. And look, ultimately, I want you to, to be the best, most comfortable version of yourself. Yeah. When you're starting to refer to yourself in plurality, you kind of do start to lose me. Like, at, at what point do I need to draw a line where it's like, no, I'm sorry, I'm not going to call you your highness. I realize you want to you want to feel like a king. You believe yourself to be a king, but I'm not going to call you your highness. And I think one of the lines also now is for me not to refer to people in the plural who are a single person. That's just yeah. a step too far for me. I'm with you. I want everyone to be comfortable, but it's like they tried to change and they tried to go to the whole Latinx. I think 98% of the Latino community said, nope, thanks, white people. Um, go back to Hyde Park. You're all good. 
Um, yeah, th thank thank you, rich white people who have right. telling me about guilt, and so you're trying to change it for us. We're we're good. And but like with that language, especially, I mean, you got masculine and feminine, you know. Oh, ah, uh, I mean, so it's like a big. I mean, there are just some things you can't change, and with English, I mean that that is plural, so it'd be easy to get confused with all that. But yeah, I do do what you want, and but that is that's probably. A, that one's tough. Mm -hmm. what, what were some of the other ones you mentioned? Just in terms of there, 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 oh, I, there are a couple that I was actually thinking of that like, sir, sir is one, sir Elton John. Mm. I'm not yeah. doing that. If you've been knighted, I, I don't get the I'm whole, and I'm the not whole... calling you doctor unless you can operate on me. Well, and even then, we need to talk about what you're a doctor in. Like, am I calling my vet a doctor? If my vet has been through... Your vet's a doc. Your dentist is a medical doc. school? Pardon me? I feel like I'm calling that doctor doc at best. I'm not going doctor. Yeah, call him doc. May go first names, too, depending on the vet. Yeah. Yeah. How you doing, Gary? What's up, doc? Yeah, exactly. You get the doc moniker there. Right. Yeah, I mean, you're working on my brain. You get doctor. You write a thesis. Eh, I'll call it to you to your face, but not behind your back. Dermatologist. Borderline. And it depends how good. How many straight times are you going to be throwing steroids at my problem versus uh, actually trying to do something a little bit more? Hopefully a lot. It'll get my tea up. Well, the you know the cortisol cream that that's the uh, that's the go to in dermatologist's office. I know because I have terrible skin and I have to go to derms from time to time. Everything is like, put steroid cream on this and let's see how it reacts. Really, this I can't have be to the go answer. To derms from time to time. What's that? I have to go to derms from time to time. Yeah, dermos. I did. I've never heard the short term for a dermatologist. So oh, now you do. Now I do. Yeah. I had yeah. a. Um, an unfortunate interaction at Bufalina Douay the other night that completely embarrassed my family. God, what? Uh, I'm justified here. And I know you because you and I have had enough of these conversations. And I know that you have common sense that you will completely side with me here. I'm sure I will. Before we even start, could you have gotten out of this without any confrontation? Yes, I tried. All right, get to the story. So we're sitting at one of the communal tables at Bufalina Douay. It is an eight top where oftentimes they will sit a group of four and then either another group of four or a group of two. So my family is at this communal table. It's the one that is kind of in the corner when you first walk into Bufalina Douay. Yeah. It's a great table, actually, especially if you can give you up against the wall. So we're sitting there first and about 10 to 15 minutes into our meal, uh, another family of four sits down, uh, husband and wife and their son and daughter. Well, immediately the uh, wife and two kids go to the bathroom for whatever reason to use the restroom, to wash their hands, but they come back. And when they come back, the woman who was sitting on the side that Calvin and I were sitting on, but closer to Calvin, like I was up against the wall and Calvin was to my right and she was to the right of Calvin. Well, she's sitting down, even though there's about a foot between where the 
I guess the uh, the unofficial line of the end of our dining table is there's like a foot in between. She reaches over and puts a wadded up paper towel that she had clearly just used to uh, either dry her hand off or do something else in the bathroom, puts it within inches of Calvin's plate. And so Justine sees this and I see this at the same time. We kind of look at one another like that's weird. We don't know where that paper towel has been. So she's like looking towards her kids and away from our side of the table. And so I just, I flick the, uh, the paper towel back to where it settles next to her plate, which is where this should be. And so we just continue our meal. We get no, our, it should be in the trash can. Actually. I mean, it should be. Yeah. I mean, look, I, yeah, if we're, it if we're really breaking this down, she needed to throw it away back in the bathroom, but yeah. here we are. And I'm not going to be the one that throws that away for her either, by the way. Throw away your own fucking garbage. I'm guessing right now, already a germaphobe. She is. Yeah, it's my you guess. You may be right about that. I've got. A, I've had a couple of theories that have uh, that have popped into my brain since then that we can get into. But, but I'm just so, guessing. I mean, because there are some times where I'll open up the restroom door if it's that that of a place, and you just wash your hands, or the flu's going around, or it's during COVID, um, and throw it into the trash can as it's already open and I have it propped open. So I mean, I'm not going to take it to my table. Yeah. That, that's, that's the move. That's not germaphobic. That's just being smart about things with as many people's hands as touch those door handles. Right. But she also maybe, coming out of the bathroom. Of course, I think that's just a smart move, but you're right. You drop the tissue in the trash can at that point yeah. or yeah. put it in your pocket or something and dispose of it label later. If there's, uh, not an easy way to do that, right? So go, continue our go, meeting. Go, go Durwood style and use it as a handkerchief. Take it out <laughs> and blow a huge that, little snot and put it back in your pocket or suit pocket. That is a generational thing because oh I think my a lot God, of is it ever. grandpas do that as a way to try and uh, recycle a, a partially used tissue. That was baffling to me as a kid. I'll never forget seeing that and thinking – you're putting a whole deal of snot because it's in cloth. Actually, like, I, thought, I thought it could be a magic trick. And when I first saw it, I thought that must disappear. You know, I actually don't you like put dry- it in your pocket. I don't like drying my hands off with a dish towel in the kitchen too many times. Like I think that starts to get a little bit gross after yeah, which is gay. a couple of times. So I use way too many paper towels, but I'm like MacGyver with paper towels. Paper towels are like duct tape for me. But we continue our meal after I flick this napkin back over <laughs> towards the woman. And 10 minutes later, Justine gives me saucer eyes. And I look back over and that wadded up paper towel is back in the same spot next to my son's plate. And so at this point, I'm not going to keep playing this little game of table paper towel soccer whatever the fuck you want to call it for the rest of our meal so i said excuse me why does your wadded up paper towel continue end up right next to my son's plate and she looks over at me and she grabs it real quick and then she throws it in the middle of her family's part of the table and she said would this be better for you because she's french and i didn't even realize this interaction and it's like yes you crazy french witch I don't yeah. care what superstition you are trying to partake in right now, but I have no interest in letting you throw your trash right next to my family as we're trying to eat our meal. Superstition? You think she's like some witch doctor? Like, is this? I think she's just some crazy French person. 
who doesn't understand very basic courtesies with life, but maybe she thinks there's some sort of superstition to put a used wadded up paper towel next to a, 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 a diner that you're sitting near and it's going to provide you good luck for the rest of the night or something. I don't know. I'm trying to give this woman the benefit of the doubt with some bat <laughs> crazy rationalization for why she would do something like that. So what happened? Well, what else was said? Was her husband French too? I couldn't tell. The husband didn't say anything the entire time. You could tell that he was right, beaten down, just ready to blow his own brains out from yeah. the, uh, the family dynamic. I mean, one of the kids had to have a candle taken away from them at one point because they were like <laughs> trying, starting to tip the wax out of the, the candle holder and onto the table. Yeah. It makes a gigantic mess, by the way, if anybody's ever had to clean up candle wax before. And so one of the servers, and by the way, Buf, this is not a reflection on Bufalina Douay. My family goes to Bufalina Douay all the time. I love that place. Some of the best pizza in town. They've got the zucchini pie right now that's out of this world. I gotta have that. But the server had to come up and take the candle out of this kid's hands. And so after the incident that I had with them, a couple of things happened. One, I said what I said. And the woman, you know, didn't really blow up at me, but gave me this passive aggressive attitude in return. And so I turned back towards uh, Justine and Vivian sitting on the other side. And Vivian is like, oh my gosh, that is the most embarrassed I've ever been in my entire life. Oh, uh, she's getting to that age now, man. Uh, yeah. She has no idea what's in front of her with you. And Justine, who was as if not more frustrated. That is, that is minor league. That's minor league. That's like Juco, like splitty right there. It didn't drop off the table too much. I've seen you. I mean, I'm, I'm actually proud and you are in the right here. Thank you. And so I, mean, Justine, I, 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 I want to let you finish the story because I got a feeling there's more knowing you. Well, Justine is also embarrassed despite the fact that she is a big reason why this whole thing was perpetuated. But I agreed with, with what her problem was right there. So I Justine, spoke up about it. But Justine's Justine is like that role. Justine is like, I know, God, she, there's no way she would do that. She's entirely got caught having sex with the black guy. And now it's rape, huh? whoa I, I i missed the reference there but uh well, back in the day that's what white women would do oh i see what you're saying yeah, yeah she started yeah. the thing and then when and then acts like she's all embarrassed about it that's exactly what i'm talking about it's a harsh analogy but it works oh my goodness yes that uh i love the analogy i apologize that i had a blonde moment there and figuring that one out well done but justine i look over at her and she's like I need to call Kevin and the rest of your friends and get upset with them for not warning me before you and I got married that I was marrying Larry David. And I said, are you freaking kidding me right now? You had as big of an issue with that as I did. I wouldn't and have sold you out because I wasn't friends with her yet. Yeah, that's true. Y'all weren't, even though y'all we had been introduced, obviously, and knew one another a little bit. It's not like the friendship that has blossomed when we all yeah. moved back to Austin. But I'm like, no. You don't get a pass here. You know that's always been the case. And you had a big enough issue with it, too, that you were basically looking at me, begging me with your eyes to do something about it. Now, maybe your solution was to have me throw away this person's trash. I'm not in the business of throwing away other people's trash, especially crazy French witches who were trying to partake in some stupid superstition to ensure that they have a better rest of the night by putting a wadded up paper towel next to my son's plate. God. 
So after this family leaves, because we obviously didn't uh, exchange pleasantries after that, the, uh, the, the server at Bufalina comes up and said, what happened with that other family? And I said, why are you asking what happened? And she said, because they came up and found me, like the mom got up from the table and found me and said, that other, that other group is not being very nice to us right now. <laughs> like, oh, really? She's like, I'm sorry. She's like, they're regulars. We don't don't normally have a problem with them. How old is this woman? What's that? How old is this woman? How can adults say that? Like, I mean, I'm guessing that she's probably, nice probably like five to ten years older than we were, although the kids were young. So maybe she was just around our age and had just lived a, a very unnecessary, stressful life. And so she looked a lot older than she was. But then, so the Bufalina Douay server sticks up for us. And then she's like, and y'all are also very mean for taking the candle away from my son. And she's like, all right. Like you, you very mean. were making Everyone's no mean. to parent right there. And so we're having to help you parent. And you, you are uh, not doing a very good job of picking up after yourself. So somebody is having to give you a, the slightest of lectures to get you their, your, your trash away from them as they try to eat dinner. Probably hadn't had a job in 25 years living off the French government. It's possible. Well, you did well. I'm proud of you there. Um, I do you. like the Justine reaction, though. This may be boiling over where, you know, you've got you've got to cut back some of these per month. I, I don't feel like there's well, that. Just call me. Don't tell her. You don't have to tell her everything. Like, you know, stuff like that. I don't feel like there's that many per month. Maybe one or two. That's not a lot, is it? I mean, most people are usually one or two a year or every three or four years or <laughs> once or twice in their life, um, once or twice in their lifetime. And it's one of the worst moments of their life. Yeah. They're still scarred by it. That's a good thing about you and me. There's probably like been serious stuff, physical and other that I'm like, yeah, I don't remember that. Like, it just kind of all blends in. Yeah. Um, they're, they're I, maybe- but, but, but I've gotten better than you have. Uh, I, I feel like that. Like, I, I, I don't know. Don't... I think it just depends on the circumstance. There's been some moments recently where I'm like, oh, shit, here we go. <laughs> <That's not fair. laughs> yours, are, yours are usually like sitting at a bar, though. And it's like somebody, some jackwad is sitting next to us who is just a, a complete character. And you and I just start kind of having fun with things. But yeah. there's also another situation that I'm not I'm not going to tell for you that uh, that that you had go down recently. But like with what I just talked about, I agree with you were in the right in that circumstance. I don't know. We'll talk about it off air. I don't know if I want to talk about it. But you I talk know, about you, it. You don't need to. I don't, I don't want you to actually. My, my point is Uh-oh. that I both do it in our own special ways. I'm just like, what the hell did I do? Jesus Christ. I love a pretty basic, simple life, but you just, I mean, I don't know. You, you and I don't go out a ton, but when we do, there's, you know, we run into jackasses. So you and I just can't help ourselves. I'm okay with that. I so, I don't I have this noble, with but it it's real. I usually don't have issues with it either, but a lot of other people do. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I've, uh, yeah, I've, uh, women um, that I've noticed. It embarrasses a lot of other people, but sometimes you have to stand up for what's right. Like I see my kids. They'll they'll uh they'll dress down kids who try and cut in line, like if they're at a water park or something. A kid like tries to jump three spots in line and ahead of. I them. was that kid. 
my daughter especially is like, nah, get to the back of the line. Like they've they've got that sense of I don't know if you call it do goodery or uh, making sure uh, the unwritten rules and common courtesies are being adhered to. Yeah, don't fuck me. Yeah, that's it. Like, yeah, that's that's a pretty pretty simple one, right? Well, well done. I have to get the zucchini pie. That sounds great. Yeah, they offer it with either prosciutto or sausage, but they prosciutto. do a really they have a really good pepperoni at Bufalina. Tiny pepperonis. They bowl up into these little crispy grease balls. We'll do double pepperoni with it. And their specialty pies have become a must order for us for I want to say the last three or four at this point. And this one, uh, this one is on par with some of the others, the pickle pie and the potato pie and some things like that. Yep. The four cheese. Of course, I love the margarita. They, they have the best margarita I've had. But yeah, it's that Neapolitan thin slice for all y'all that are wondering. We've got a lot of good pizza options, a lot of good options in general. It's actually a French place that just opened up right near me here. What's it called? Where the old post office was. I don't know. Le Bordeaux, Boujon, Here's a napkin. Um, and the dot, 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 here's a napkin is really the French part that I figured you'd like. Yeah, that or uh, how can we drown your meat in a sauce? Yeah, exactly. Um, no, but here's a napkin that's for your French woman. Oh, man. Why Why are your jokes going over my head today? Jeez. Because I'm a lot smarter. No, it's I not. think that's true some of the time. <laughs> yeah, maybe half. <laughs> um, I'm trying to see what it is, but yeah, I'm pretty pumped about it. Uh, Boro de Poste. Hmm. It's the old post office, so that's probably what it means. But yep, yeah. got to try some stuff. College football-wise, man, um, I wouldn't mind to even talk some Cowboys, too, because the Cowboys are actually in a weird way. I mean, they should have won that game, and maybe there's just not much separation in football or the NFC. But to go on the road and play the way they did. I want to get to that, but college football, we can start with the Cowboys, Oklahoma state beating Oklahoma. We started to get into that a little bit. You and I both pick Oklahoma state to win this game. So we're not totally shocked, but this felt like a little bit of a job with a couple calls, but Oklahoma clearly is kind of what we thought they were after the game, which we kind of had fun with. OU people that were online saying, you're not giving them love. Now we're being real. They're not that great of a team. And y'all won. So there. Yeah. Oklahoma played their best game of the year against Texas, which credit to them for doing that. But that was also their best game of the year by far. And they have come crashing back down to earth the last three weeks now. I know the losing streak is only two games. But remember, UCF had a chance to tie if they had converted a two-point conversion at the end of that game too. So Oklahoma yeah. has not been playing great. And it's been a mixed bag, by the way, as far as which side of the ball has been worse for them. That defense, they're a tough defense in short yardage situations, but they fail in a lot of other areas. And you hate to put too much blame on Dylan Gabriel, but he had a couple of turnovers in the game on Saturday. And uh, despite Drake stoops back Stafford, and yes, the refs, completely screwing Oklahoma at the end there. And I believe that pass interference was on Drake Stoops too, wasn't it? It was on Drake Stoops and he was out of bounds. But from my, what I thought was you still call the interference. Right. 
Um, and it would have been illegal touching, so maybe offsetting. And maybe I'm wrong about that because um, we don't see that very often. But there are a couple other calls. I mean, it felt like Oklahoma, who's gotten a majority of the benefit of the calls with their holding scheme in the last 12 years, that I've got no problem them getting a little bit of a job there. Yeah, I don't have an issue with it because fuck OU. And I also wanted to see Oklahoma State win this last one. But uh, Alla Bowman was better for them, and Ollie Gordon uh, continues to uh, to turn heads and uh, to wake people up to the fact that he is one of the best running backs in college football right now. I mean, maybe the best. Maybe. I mean, statistically, he is the best. Yeah. Um, but eyeball-wise, he's really good. And, yeah, they're, they're definitely beatable. Everyone's beatable in the Big 12 this year, clearly, because uh, everyone's been beaten. Although, I guess Oklahoma State – have they been beaten in conference? Yeah, once. But th- their path is they got killed by South Alabama. I think they have two losses, right? Yeah, their one loss in conference, by the way, is at Iowa State, which followed the South Alabama loss. So just a putrid, uh, putrid tr- two-game stretch for them. Yeah, but they figured it out. And so with Texas, I mean, getting healthy – you know, the good thing is their defense is two games in a row now. The communication's been much better in the back yeah. end. Um, communication in general has been better. They're flying around. You can tell they were pissed off. Uh, the offensive line, for what they had at some point, with Banks out and Cam Williams in there, I thought played as well as they could. To some degree, they're going to be what they are at this point, and we can't expect a lot of short yardage blowing guys off, off the ball because they haven't done that. So Sark's going to have to be more creative and use the horizontal width of the field and space to create two yards and go sit and throw it to him and get the fuck down and move the chains. Um, he can do that. So they've got enough weapons to – they should be better than they are. And I think part of that is him making the right call and guessing right but feeling it right and then also really using your personnel in all the space because this is not a – it's a it's a weird football team in so many ways because they're very physical and then in some some ways they're not right hmm. like it's a physical pass protecting team yeah and but and zone blocking they're much better than man to man but I mean their grades show it they're they're run blocking um, for as good as a run game's been too once again part of the weird part of the team Jonathan Brooks has been that good that he he's done a lot of this and you see that. I mean, he almost always makes the first guy mystery. Yeah. Yes, he does. Um, you can hear me. Correct. I just had a, yeah, I got you. Go up did, on my did, screen. Did, did I break up there? No, no. I, my, my screen just showed up as Mike muted, but I, I don't see the mic being muted anywhere. So, uh, yeah, Jonathan Brooks is uh, something to build on for this offense right now as you continue to keep your fingers crossed that Quinn Ewers makes a decision to come back because Steve Sarkeesian talked about it yesterday. Doctors can only say so much. Quinn has to be comfortable and ready to go in order to get back in there at this point. Like There becomes a, a comfort factor with understanding that you are healed up enough that the risk of re-injuring that shoulder is minimal but he's got a lot more to think about than this just se- uh, just this season. As much as that sucks to think about, I mean, this is a guy that if he re-injures that shoulder, it could jeopardize millions that might be on the line for him coming up in April. And so he does need to be careful. And you'd like to see a guy 
get back in there and fight because his team is in the running for a conference championship game. But everybody has to approach that situation differently. Uh, but Steve Sarkeesian is is trying to gently apply the pressure to get Quinn to come back. And by the way, every game that Texas wins, I think improves the likelihood that he does come back this year because there was some thought that he might not. If Texas ended up dropping one to Kansas State and was no longer in the driver's seat for a Big 12 championship, that's why ultimately I think you see him sit out one more game, come back in Ames, and have a couple of games before you do play in that Big 12 championship and possibly a college football playoff. Yeah, I'd be curious what Ron Slavin and what his team, what they're, what info they're getting. Because for that one scenario, you say to sit out, you mean sit out and come back next year? Sit out and uh, try his hand at the NFL draft. I mean, what what do you think Quinn Ewers would be right now? This is not a shot at Quinn. I mean, he's still, he's played about a year as a starter. So I, I think that he's a guy that would need to sit for at least a year at the NFL level and would have to take his lumps as agreed. an NFL player. I don't I don't think he's as far along as as some of the draft as experts are projecting right now. That I, that's I guess that's my point. Where, where do you see him drafted? Um, I could see him as a potential first round draft pick. I think some of that uh, comes down to how he looks at the draft combine. Agreed. But he has put together he has put together some decent tape this year too, though. He has, yeah. I mean, I would think he's probably mid late second round, maybe early third round, but you never know. I mean, with that position, that's the opposite of running back. There'll be people that will. We've seen much weirder quarterbacks go in the first round, but yeah, I, I mean, I I think he's in a weird spot that he's not a for sure first rounder or sure fire first rounder. He hadn't proven that. So I would think you want to come back and put more tape together, especially in important games. And yeah, you can jump up to that. This guy should be a late first round pick. I'm trying to look right now. I feel like I saw an ESPN within the last week or so, a mock draft. Yeah. I've looked at mocks on CBS and PFF and I've not seen him. And I mean, I haven't seen him in one in the first round. And I'll yeah, get first round may be a little bit of a stretch right now, but I think I'm like, you. Day day two pick seems likely for him. Oh, yeah. I, I think it'd be a day two because day two is round two and three. Yeah. yeah I'm not seeing that right now. Um, I don't know. You, you and I come from an era where guys, guys would suck it up and come back and they would play a little bit hurt. But there's there's a lot more on the line now. And... <laughs> And uh, guys take, I don't want to call it the easy way out, but guys take the uh, the business-minded approach to these things because, you know, the sport, as much as we want to think about it as a, as a game that that kids like to play and you grow up and the physicality becomes much more intense, but it is still a game at the end of the day. There's, there's also a business element to it that if there is uh, potentially millions on the line, which, by the way, if you're a day two pick, that's far from guaranteed. Uh, at quarterback or otherwise, then that, that has to be taken into account too. Yeah, and you also balance that with, I mean, back in the day, it would be I want to go play for my team again, and also it may help my draft status if I come back. I mean, Tavondre Sweat goes pro last year. He's a fourth-round pick, maybe third-round pick. He could, he could be a top-15 pick right now. Um, I mean, that was a very smart business decision, but I think with NIL now for Tavondre, but also certainly someone like Quinn, I mean, hell, 
you can definitely argue you need another year to get it here and you're making a lot of money that packs weren't before. So maybe, maybe more money than as a uh, second or third round NFL draft pick for yeah, a year. For a year. For a year, yeah. Uh, usually you get a lot of that up front, but but yeah, I mean it, it but per yeah, per year, I mean it, it it makes a lot more sense to come back. So the other, the other thing I wonder about with him, though, is if he thinks that his value might be at its height right now because of everything that he's going to be losing off of this team at wide receiver next year. That's a great point and a great question that, hey, and I mean, that's kind of sad if that's the case because he hasn't proven what I think he's probably capable of. Yeah. But it's like a lot of these NBA guys. I mean, you're better off being Greg Brown, right? And he probably would have been a top 10 pick. They still let high school kids come out. And even with that one year, which was not great, it's like, well, let me just go. Because what if I come back and really don't play well? Hmm. It's one thing I like about Dylan Mitchell coming back, who looked good last night, that, no, I mean, if you believe in yourself and your game, then you don't need to go rob a bank. You know, go in there and cash it legitimately. Yeah, and well, <laughs> Greg Brown, I think, has bounced around the league at this point, hasn't uh, caught on anywhere with any sort of consistency and that's not surprising because he was still very yeah. raw just like if dylan mitchell had gone pro like there'd be a ton of of athletic potential but uh, a raw skill set same thing for kai jones by the way kai jones left texas and it's like yeah the guy's an athletic freak he's also got a very low basketball iq it doesn't play well in college it's going to play terribly at the at the nba level Yep. So a lot still in front of him. Hopefully he can get back, but feeling good about that. Um, trying to think of what else in terms of college football. You had mentioned a little bit and when I froze um, about Alex Grinch. And man, that was so obvious. That was one of those. I texted it that morning. I was going to text it the night before, but like Alex Grinch has to be fired tomorrow. And they obviously didn't want to do it or Lincoln didn't want to do it, but he was forced to do it. And this is a big hire for him because – you know, we talked about it all year when they were undefeated. We were laughing that this is not that good of a team. Just watch them. And it was more than just the defense, but the defense has been awful. And I don't know. I don't know what coordinator will want to go match up. Maybe it's a Jim Leonard um, with with a guy like Lincoln because that's a tough gig, but it's not as tough as Grinch made it look, look like. And by the way, Grinch is a great example of, you know, I, I was all over Alex Grinch early on years ago when he was the DC at Washington state goes Ohio state was co-DC, but didn't call plays for a year. Then went to Oklahoma. He was great at Washington state. And even early on in Oklahoma, he was a yeah. pretty good mind, but like things can just pass you by, or sometimes it just doesn't work. We've seen it in Texas. I did not remember it until going back and looking at the stats. Even his second year at Oklahoma was not that good. Like he right, was a no. surprisingly good first year at Oklahoma, and everybody's like, no, just think back. He was great for Mike Leach at Washington State. Mike Leach never has good defenses. His best defenses were with Alex Grinch calling those plays. And so the combination of how Lincoln likes to work on offense with that what Alex Grinch brought to the table defensively, it seemed like a good pairing and played out as such in year one. But year two wasn't as good, and things have just continued going downhill these first two years with him following Lincoln to USC to the point that he is now going to be looking for work and he'll find something somewhere. I mean, he's a part of the system now, but uh big time program should probably stay away from him for a couple of years and still until he can get it figured out at the lower ranks as a DC. 
Yeah, you got a Manny Diaz yourself, although Diaz had gotten a head coach, which helped out. But he had to do that after coming off of Texas. So you just got to find the right deal, use your connections. And, you know, he's got to be in a, a better fit than what that was. And he obviously has to learn a lot because a lot of stuff has clearly passed him by, which I always laugh. Football is like tech. Um, there's no other industry I can think of that moves that quickly and changes that quickly. And you are a fossil and archaic that quickly. Yeah, tech is tech is one of the best examples, but I don't care what the industry is. If you're not if you're not striving to improve and striving to stay with the times, you will get passed by relatively quickly. I mean, yep. Some of the biz biggest businesses in the history of this country are now nothing. Montgomery Ward is a great example. Montgomery Ward was the preeminent department store throughout oh, the it, man. 60s, 70s, and 80s is next to nothing at this point. Blockbuster video. I, I was just about to say, think about an 80s deal where you're doing Christmas shopping, you go to Montgomery Ward, then you stop by, Dad, can we stop by Blockbuster and rent, you know, planes, trains, and automobiles? Yeah, I mean, look, fast food places that were around in the 1980s and are still around now, it's still the same low-quality food, but it's also been packaged and marketed differently, too, and they've also come up with... Uh, brand new ideas for uh, for cheap ways to feed the masses too. Yeah, they've actually done a pretty smart thing where they act like they're healthy, but they're really not. I mean, can you imagine McDonald's in the 80s serving as many salads as they do now? I, I remember when McDonald's started serving the salads and they were putting the calorie count on there too. I feel like they had to put the calorie count on at a certain point because of uh, federal legislation, which actually uh, was a good thing. I think it is important to show, to to let people try and quantify how much they're actually consuming it at a given meal. But yeah, when McDonald's started doing the salads and you would look at it and the salad was a certain number of reasonable calories, but then you get that dressing on there and it just blows things up times four or five with, uh, with how bad those dressings were. But yeah, McDonald's, they tried to fake the funk to make it seem like they cared more about people's personal health too. Yep. Well, they faked it. All right. All right. I'm trying to go what else college wise. Uh, Georgia beat a physical Missouri team. Yeah, and, Missouri's uh, not bad, dude. They, they're not bad, and Carson Beck uh, was not great to start the season, but this is another one of those guys that you have to think about. Having gone several years without worrying about getting hit, and yep. he's now... Uh, he has now gone through, what, three-fourths of Georgia's season, and he's had to deal with some of those blows and he has, uh, has faced the live bullets, if you will. And he has shown himself as a, a guy who is adept at making plays for this Georgia offense, even with like, what was the case against Missouri this last Saturday, they weren't getting much out of the rushing attack. The defense is good and is always going to be good. But Carson Beck was the guy making plays for their offense. I'm looking at Kevin's screen right now. His screen is still up. Looks like the video is turned off. Can you hear me? And can you talk right now? I got you, buddy. Okay. We're getting it fixed here. Hold on one sec. No, you actually didn't go out, so I could hear you. Gotcha. Um, so, yeah, Georgia uh, looks really good. They do. And, uh, and without, without Bowers, that's a big reason why. I mean, it's, it's funny to watch these guys develop and start out at a certain point, but... Uh, five-star talents is five-star talents. And Carson Beck is, is proving why he was so highly rated coming out of high school, even if he's had to wait several years to get his chance. 
Yeah, no, he doesn't have the um, – they don't have the defensive line. This is the first year in a long time I would take the defensive tackles of Texas over Georgia. Now, their defense is still really damn good. But they're not as freakish as they were. But they just continue to win. And I think there is something about the SEC being down, but also the fact that you've got guys in that program – that know nothing but winning. And I talk about that a lot, especially in college sports, especially in college baseball. There are teams that get to Omaha that talent-wise shouldn't. But they've been five years in a row, and they're a redshirt junior. And that's all they fucking know, man. Like, they, they just know how to win. Westlake has a lot of that this year in football. They're really talented, but they've had some games where they could have lost, and they're just kids that just, like, don't know about losing the regular season. And there's almost like this weird confidence that comes over you. So I feel like Georgia has that right now that they could be beat and could be beat by Michigan or maybe a couple other teams, but they just, they know they're going to win and they, they play like that. You have any thoughts on Notre Dame's loss at Clemson? I mean, not, not shocking Notre Dame. If they're going to turn the ball over, I've told you all year, they don't separate offensively. They just don't. Um, and so when you turn the ball over like that, then, and you put yourself in a hole like that, then, you know, I mean, you know, we can talk about Clemson being down. And I think we've been all over that all year about the receivers. We talked to preseason the receivers being the issue, the difference, the offensive line, the defense is still really good. So they can still really play and Klubnik made some good throws. They, they made some plays. I mean, they, they won the game outright Notre Dame's just you know Notre Dame's a good football team that's about it yeah and Sam Hartman is a good quarterback who throws a lot of interceptions too that was the case at Wake Forest and that is uh that is yep has been a a thing for him this year too so not not all that surprising as much as he was lionized at the start of the season yeah and he played really well to start this year off and Notre Dame hadn't had that type of guy who will take deep shots and so I mean I think all that can be true and I don't think the offense, you know, they they really don't have separators on the outside. They're a lot like Clemson, where they just don't have guys that can really bust you open. And and it, it really compresses the defense, compresses the offense, and they've got a good run game, good offensive line, not a great one. Um, they lost their top receiver, Mitchell Evans, the tight end to an ACL, and they just don't have – they don't have a lot of weapons, man. They, you how, know, they're 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 a good football team. That's it. How how has Jaden Greathouse been for them this year? He's been good. I mean, Greathouse certainly. I knew this was not going to be a guy who's going to blow the the cover, you know, right. off the top, you know, and and so, you know, I wasn't expecting that from him. He's been good, but but they they, they really got to recruit some speed there. Uh, Kansas beat Iowa State. Is that surprising at all? Was not surprising to me. Iowa State has a good defense. They suck offensively. Yeah, they've been playing better. That's still, as a night game, could be a trap game because Texas, who knows, will show up. I mean, if you get Texas from some of these quarters, it could be enough to bury you. Um, and depending on who's playing quarterback, I would think hopefully Quinn's back by that point. But, yeah, um, Iowa State now five and four, Kansas seven and two. By the way, I did hear a rumor about your boy Jaden. So we got what Jaden Daniels at LSU, right? 
Jalen Daniels. Yeah, Jaden Daniels at LSU and Jalen Daniels at Kansas. It took me eight weeks to figure that out, but I think I'm finally there. So you had the rumor that Jalen was sitting out because of NIL money? Yep. I heard another one. What? And just that. I mean, not like from a coach or whatever, but from someone who covers it and just, you know, we're bullshitting and talking about the weather. And um, that he's already set up to go be the USC quarterback next year and is sitting out for that. Oh, poor. Would you be shocked? No, I wouldn't be shocked. I'd be just disappointed if he went to USC, though, because I like Jalen Daniels, the player, and I'm not rooting for him at. USC with the uh, with Lincoln Riley there but it, it doesn't it doesn't surprise me because it was weird that his back just flared up because of the bed he was sleeping in at the hotel in Austin and well he hasn't played since then though so this is a back injury that was so bad that sleeping on it wrong has kept him out to this point no that the more weeks that he missed the more it felt like him being unhappy with the money that Kansas is able to offer him versus what he would be able to find elsewhere. Cause also keep in mind too, what game was that, that he would have played against Texas? What game was that for Kansas on their schedule? I don't know. Was it four game five? You get to play four games. And by the way, he had missed one too. Uh, you get to play. Oh, four so, games so he can still red shirt. So he maintains that red shirt this year. Gotcha. Good call on that. I did not see that. Look at you. Columbo little Angela Lansbury, but hotter. Well, I'm not going to do a good Columbo right now. I just tried, and it was a, a failure from the start, so I had to well, stop. Well, first off, like any good Columbo, you got to start with the eyes. Let me see the <laughs> eyes. I can't do that. You can. <laughs> I mean, how, how the hell would I know? I mean, I'm just a dumb mick, wop, whatever I am, just, you know, trying to figure out how to put my shoes on, you know. <laughs> <laughs> probably not the voice but i remember he used to always play so dumb remember yeah that way he was great he was just playing aloof even though he knew exactly what was happening and he would uh <clears throat> he would get confessions or he would get to the bottom of things maybe that's how i need to go about some of these larry david-esque situations i find myself in is just yeah, ask we're... seemingly ignorant questions about things and get these morons to come to the conclusion that they're acting like complete psychopaths <laughs> <laughs> that's probably the way to go man oh god um oh by the way you'll love this so saturday do the pregame then i'm running some errands stop by central market i pulled the uh i got a new battery for my for my uh remote on my car so i'm like you know it's like that goes out i'm like oh fuck luckily i still have a model to where you know, which I've never used. I'm like, oh, is there a key to open this? I'm like, oh, thank God there is. So able to open up the uh, passenger door, put all my groceries in there. I've got a coffee, put it up top. And I see people like coming and like waiting to park. So, I, you know, that's one of those. I'm not the person that slowly Gus walks across the crosswalk. No. no. Put a little fucking giddy up in your step. We're living in society, God damn it. Put a little giddy up in your step. I'm taking a right here. And if I was psychotic, I could just mow you over. Not going to do that. But get a little going. You, you're not walking down the, the catwalk in New York here. Okay? No. So I see this. I rush. Totally forgot because I never. Usually I just would have. I would have kept the coffee in my hand. But I'm having to, you know. So I kept. 
I'm almost done with it, but I have it on the top of my car and I pull off and I take off. I would have been that guy like Clark Griswold with a coffee just come flying off like near Central Market off the back of his car. Yeah, what are you gonna do? Damn. Those are my Seinfeld mo or Larry David moments now. Yeah, I'm with you on the crosswalk thing. Like, show that you recognize the situation good enough that the Keep car going. doing what they need to. You can be 80 years old and have a stroller. I'm not asking for Michael Johnson times, but I want the head down and just showing me that you're trying. Yeah, we don't need a strut right now. We we need you trying to get from point A to point B. That's it. All, all we're asking is for uh, a little bit of courtesy there. Like, show that you are you, that we're all working together here. Don't be completely aloof to it. Or even worse, when you try and get somebody's attention to them not paying close enough attention their response to either being on their phone in the car or walking too slow or riding their bike in a lane when they need to be in the bike lane is to give you the finger or get upset with you. It's like, okay, so you're going to double down on your stupidity right now. Those people need to get their ass beat. Yeah, they do. I'm not the one to do it though. No, no, I'm not going to. I'm done. I'm done with my, uh, I'm done fighting unless I absolutely have to. I, I am too. Um, yeah, it's not worth it. Not because I care about them as people, because they obviously don't give a shit about me or anyone else. It's that it's not worth it. You know, get no, it's not trumped up charges. Hey, I, I, I've been all over this Arizona team, haven't I? See, twenty-seven ten over UCLA. They're six and three now, brother. Nobody yeah. Arizona's one. No one would want to play in Arizona tomorrow. I mean, nobody. You, you've been all over that one, and they, uh, I believe they have a big matchup this weekend, too. Looking at these earlier, Arizona is playing. Are they in the top 25 now? They should be. Yeah, they are. Oh, maybe they're off this week. They're not. All right. Hey, while you're looking that up, good news. A.D. Mitchell's second straight run blocking grade of over 80 and he went into those two games at i believe da, 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 i believe like uh 59 and which is what i've i've talked about it like he's got the body and the length to be a damn good run blocker and they need that from him on screens and on just run blocking but certainly screens and he's asserting his will and blocking for receivers is about give a shit for the most part. There is angles and leverage and quickness and obviously physical just blocking, but a lot of it's about give a shit. Yes, it is. And somebody has gotten through to him to get him to do a better job. I made a mental note of that watching the game on Saturday. I didn't notice it in the BYU game, although I, I'm going to trust uh, pro football focuses grades there. Uh, I did see that myself where it's like, all right, A.D. Mitchell is actually giving that effort Unlike a lot of times where it's like he flinches for the block and then he just ends up letting his guy past him. Yep. Uh, he was uh, he was putting it out there. That's good because the rest of the receiver room is pretty good at that too. Jordan Whittington, you know, as much of an up and down season as it's been for him catching the football, he is your best pass blocker at wide receiver. And even Xavier Worthy, I think, has done a, a decent job. I don't know what his, what his PFF grade is, but I would – I would imagine it's not completely embarrassing like A.D. Mitchell's was up until these last couple couple of weeks. So at some point, probably within the last, I don't know, five years, my mom more recently, 
you know, I was obsessed with the whole JFK assassination growing up, right? Uh, what age did that start? I knew that it was there at a certain point, but I don't know when. Man, Pearl Harbor would have started like at six or seven. <laughs> oh, you were you were a big Pearl Harbor guy first. Huge, huge. Hmm. Um, parents got me um some lava. They went to Hawaii when they were still married. Came back, and all I wanted was Pearl Harbor lava. Right, it's, I, I wanted something from there. Brought it back, baby. Had it up on my desk for a long time, and. Then out, you know, clean my room and clean my desk and popped it up and looked at it. There was a sticker below it that said made in China. Mm. They bought it at the fucking airport. Those lazy ass, I mean, pieces of shit. Are you kidding me? Like that was such an 80s parent move. But like not even to look and take the take this tag off, which my mom was good at. At least fake something cooler if you're gonna do that, like a like a uh uh, bent up piece of scrap metal or something. Yeah. Yeah. So I was really into Pearl Harbor. I think I got into Kennedy probably like eight, nine, really got into it, but definitely wore my parents out with it. And what's <laughs> so imagining funny. my daughter at nine all of a sudden getting deep with me on J the JFK assassination? We've talked oh, about it. Oh, she will. Trust me, there's going to be stuff just like that, bro. We've talked about it a little bit. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, I, I was probably early on, but yeah, I mean, I was, I was really into it. Not that I knew a ton about it, but I mean, I, I read a bunch about it and was into it, you know, well, you were a critical thinker back then. You probably looked at that basic video and is like, this doesn't add up. So it just didn't. I mean, cause I bought the original story. My mom was, my mom was going to go to, uh, he was coming to Austin after that. And my mom was going to, uh, the convention center. Palmer mm. Auditorium um, to go see him. So they all got pulled out of school. I mean, so I think for her, it was a big imprint. And she loved the whole Jackie O, the whole romantic thing, which obviously wasn't that romantic, but the the perception of, of their marriage and their life, what do they call it? Camelot. Um, yeah. And so that, you know, any anything that was ever on TV, I always watched it and taped it VHS and then tried to read about it. But it was probably the last couple of years. A lot. You know, this is where Trey and I just get off on stuff. You find out shit about us, and you probably don't care. But anyway, a couple of the last couple of years with everything that's come out. So as that started to progress, it wasn't that long before in my teens, I'm like, hey, you know, there was a lot of stuff going on here. I don't know what happened. If you think Lee Harvey Oswald acted alone as a lone wolf, you're fucking crazy. There's way too much stuff with the Warren Commission, Ruby everything yeah the mafia way too much stuff and they you know kind of kind of gave me the like i'm alex jones at 15 look both my parents and finally my dad was would have been before but my dad's like yeah you know what you're right about that um <laughs> not much and my mom wouldn't really give it to me and it was a couple years ago and i go mom i go remember how you thought i was crazy for thinking that she's like well, you were right about that. I'm like, oh, but that's the only one I've had. I want the moon guy. I think he landed on the moon, probably. Yeah, that, that, look, for, for you to label anybody a conspiracy theorist because they think that uh, that there may have been a larger conspiracy to kill JFK and that it wasn't just some rogue gunman 
acting by himself like that that doesn't put you in that category necessarily i've got an example of somebody that i met and talked to a few weeks ago that falls squarely in the category of guano crazy and we're gonna get to that so let me finish the thought the thought is is that it was so funny seeing her that late having to admit that and it's been like watching AM fans since the old Miss game. That they're so late to the party, but I'm still enjoying the just man. Yeah, we were wrong. Guess you were right. You know, I thought you were just being a T sip homer, but I guess you saw something with Jimbo we didn't. And what the country saw it, man. Like, yeah. you thought you were getting away with getting Nick Saban or Bill Belichick. We all knew you weren't. People may have assumed him tearing down the Florida State program was similar to what happened with Mac at the end of his Texas tenure, but the way that they went out wasn't one-to-one. Because the way that we went out, at the very end, Mac did that. Mac had just gotten complacent. He wasn't actively going out and trying to take the program down. He was still trying to win that one last Big 12 championship, let's remember, going into that final game of the season against Baylor, where uh, Baylor beat the shit out of them. So Mac did it for a very small amount of time. Jimbo spent most of his last season in Tallahassee trying to do that, and then he didn't have time to sit out and think about how he could maybe go about things differently like Mac did. It was right back in the saddle of doing that at Texas A&M, and this is a guy to the point that you made earlier about the game passing certain people by that it does feel like the game has passed him by now. I am surprised though, because A&M had a lead late in that game and Ole Miss was able to come back and get the game winning touchdown with a little bit more than a minute left. I'm surprised A&M people aren't looking at that and pointing at that as uh, signs that uh, things are starting to turn around this season because they were so close against an Ole Miss team. Look, I, I know Ole Miss is not a top 10 team this year, but they are ranked that right now in this down year of college football. They're like, we were so close to a top 12 team on the road like that. Yeah, no, you're right. I can definitely see that. And I have talked to a couple of Aggies that like, you know, because Wegman did look good. So like we had Wegman and then maybe this would have been different. Probably a little different, but I doubt it. I don't think Max Johnson's been that bad. Yeah. It's just not moving in the right direction. I mean, they're going to fire him and go get Mike Elko. Calling it right now. 11 Oh, wow. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense because people have just assumed Jeff Trailer up to this point, but Elko would be a better hire for them than Trailer would be. That's a guy I bet you they go get. Um, but it's not working. It's what, year six? Or is, is that seven? right? Has he been there six years already? Maybe seventh year, man. Like, look it up. It maybe it's, it's six or seven. But this is not us with Sark. And we're being very fair with Sark. We've been burned, too, by the last couple of girlfriends. This is marriage material. And you go out to her to Bufalina, and she's throwing snot balls and kids' fucking plates. It's like, <laughs> I guess it, this isn't going to work. Um, but, but, yeah, I mean, we can be fair with Sark. We don't know yet, you know. And we, and we see stuff on every date that looks like marriage material and some that we're going to have to work on our cutlery skills. This is year six for Jimbo. Year six at A&M. And uh, I see this pop up. It's kind of flown by, hadn't it? It has. And I see this pop up on social media from time to time, a side to side comparison of record through X number of games for Jimbo at A&M versus Kevin Sumlin's record through that same. Someone's like what four games better. 
Yeah, Kevin Sumlin is better as a coach. Kevin Sumlin, who uh, who is uh, still having uh, issues with the drinky poo, according yeah, to Yeah, no, I mean, in all seriousness, I hope he gets that figured out. I, I do, looks, too. That's, that's, by the way, I don't know if you saw the picture, man. He looks old. Uh, that's, yeah. And beat that up. picture was sad more than anything. I didn't mean to laugh when I did that. That's that. It's just pathetic. No, no, I, I know what you mean. Yeah. It's just pathetic at this point. And you're right. Like living that hard of a lifestyle over the course of decades, it takes it out of you. Yep. It does. You can do that for a little bit in your 20s. Yeah. And actually even your 30s a little bit early on, but you'll start to feel it. But once you feel that, you got to get out because if you start doing that in your 40s and 50s and 60s, that's when you just look like a crypt keeper quickly. Yes, yeah, Kevin Sumlin, guys, probably in his mid 50s or something. Dude, he's, he like, he's not that older than that. No, he looked he looked like one of like Red Fox's friends who'd come over, who was like, you know. Yeah, Kevin Sumlin's 59. He looks like he's in his late 60s right now. Yeah. Well, hopefully he gets that figured out. But I mean, considering what they were paying him and the shit he got that and i'm not sure he was the right guy look the reality is most time with what you want it's not the right guy as a college football fan or fan for most teams what you are is i'm looking for my prince i'm looking for my princess i'm looking for the relationship i saw on all the movies growing up not gonna happen it's not real doesn't happen that way so yeah i guess you can get a belichick or a saban it's once in a lifetime you're probably not gonna get it you're probably going to get more Mike Shula's like uh, like Alabama had to where you, you just – so you're going to have to maybe, I don't want to say take out some of the things that you want and cut some of your needs, but you've got to be more realistic and not look at it like an idealistic nine-year-old girl who says this is the perfect marriage. Well, and patience is required also because it, otherwise yes. it turns into that perpetual higher fire cycle. Right. If you don't teach her how to make the carbonara, how is she going to know how to make it? <laughs> or you don't let her practice before you're grading her on that uh, that final exam carbonara. Then that's an issue. God, you just... yeah, I hate, I hate to cut this short because I did want to talk about the conspiracy theorist that uh, that I met a few weeks ago. It's truly bizarre. Um, I've got to get a kid to soccer practice right now. That is not a bullshit excuse. No, no. I mean, it's also not a reason. Like, I mean, if you practice got moved up 30 minutes this week because of daylight savings time. And I just now realized that uh, we're, we're probably going to be showing up five minutes late now, which is fine. Show up 10 minutes late. I mean, it's soccer practice. We're not going to a sporting event here. If neither of these kids played another season of soccer after oh. the current season comes to an end oh. this weekend, Kevin, I would be completely fine with it. And my kids are good. It is brutal <laughs> sports are entertaining this is brutal and it's because it's kind of because it's soccer i'll i'll say that um but there there are sports that that i selfishly enjoy as a parent more than soccer but if they're having fun we'll keep letting them do it keep supporting them but i hope this is it one of them's yeah. right outside the door right now so i hope they don't hear me bad turn, turn into like my you know Turned into my dad's parents, you know, who were great parents, but like parents didn't go to games back then. 
I think my grandfather went to one of my dad's high school football games. That was it. Like one, you know, Jeez, that's high school football too. There, you know, there, there, there are gray areas between going to every game and going to. No, it's Mount Carmel too. Big program. Like he did not like, you know, just they just didn't do it. It's like you know, good luck, kid. You know, let us know how it goes. Yeah, Which I think that's probably too far. But being there at practice with your binocs in the car, watching it from the parking lot, is also too far the other way. And as we have to talk about every time Mount Carmel gets brought up, your dad did catch passes from Don McLean of American Pie fame at Mount Carmel High School. Danny McLean, he wasn't that old. Yeah, so. All right, go have fun at soccer practice or do whatever. All right, love you, brother. I'll talk to you off the air. Thank you to everybody for watching and listening today. Uh, please do subscribe to the Texas Sports Unfiltered YouTube channel. Download that free app if you have not done so already. And yes, click that thumbs up button if you liked any aspect of today's shows. We will be back tomorrow from 8 to 5, starting bright and early with Bucky and BK from 8 to 10. In the meantime, have yourselves a great rest of the evening and hook them.